Hands up, let's be brave. Who remembers the release of this song? Come on, let's be brave. Who's going to admit to it? Show of hands. 1964, Bob Dylan, The Times They Are a Changing. It is now known as one of the most famous political protest songs of all time. Activists, even today, love it. It was released in the height of the Vietnam War. Uh, JFK had just been assassinated. Uh, and in the mood where there was such unrest within the nation, it sort of summed up both America and also much of the Western world, that change was coming, times were changing, and therefore how to live within the middle of that change. And it led this era to the 1964 Civil Rights Act, uh, all about racial equality and lots of transformation. And we all know we live in similarly changing times today. How do we cope? with such times. The lyrics of this song ring true. There's a battle outside and it's a raging. It'll soon shake your windows and rattle your walls for the times they are a changing. And with the uncertainty in this country over Brexit about what the future looks like, with the uncertainty and division over people like Donald Trump and the, what that does to the world, with the rise of new nations now becoming more prosperous, more militarized than any other nations before, with the rise of both the hard left and the hard right, with the rise of division within even mainstream politics, times they are a-changing with the rise of new technological advances that mean life today is so different from even what it was 10 years ago. Did you know, I was astonished, iPhones were only invented 11 years ago. And there are now more smartphones on the planet than there are people. <laughs> Did you know that there are more people who own a smartphone in India than there are people in Europe? We live in a changing world in changing times. The balance of power is massively shifting. What does the future look like? And alongside these changes, the way we react to them is changing. There's an organization that does a survey about trust. And for the last two decades, every year, they've done a survey in many nations around the world about our levels of trust. And in the last two or three years, what we trust has radically changed. So that in this country, less than a quarter of us now trust either or any of the main political parties to deliver change. We simply don't trust politics full stop. Less than a quarter of us trust the media to tell the truth. Whatever slants, whatever left, right, whatever paper, whatever website, less than a quarter of us trust them to actually tell the truth. Which is why, of course, you see politicians going directly to people in the form of Twitter and so on. Whether that's a good thing, that's your question. But even there, only a third of us now trust businesses or even charities to deliver what they say they will. We simply don't trust any of the things that we used to trust to deliver change. So where do we turn in uncertain times? In changing world, where do we go to? Maybe we go to the well-loved cultural icons and celebrities, the ones that we adore, that we read magazines about and wish our lives were like. Well, of course, the scandals of the last two or three years of the sexual abuse scandals. 
And of course, stories of well-loved celebrities who do so much for charity and yet hide their own finances away from the tax authorities mean that we simply don't trust those people anymore. And so we have to invent celebrities just for being celebrities rather than doing anything. So where else do we turn? Maybe like generations of old, maybe, just maybe, we therefore go and turn to the religious authorities and institutions. In the past, that's where people would have found solace and hope. But of course, even just recently with the massive devastating scandals in the Catholic Church, stories that we all know of of megachurch pastors, wherever we look, we simply don't trust anyone anymore. And so maybe only the only people we can trust are ourselves. But with a growing rise of rates of emotional distress and the reality that we all know, if we are honest, when our head hits the pillow, that there is stuff in our lives that we hope people never find out or never know. We've all got stuff. Who do we trust? Where do we go? How do we change in this changing society? Our mission as a church, as Riverside, has always been to help people get to know Jesus and grow as his followers. That's our DNA, always will be. Everything we do is about helping people to get to know Jesus and grow as his followers. It's not about building a religious institution, but about life change. Getting to know the Prince of Peace, the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. But so often we forget that we are the ones who are also getting to know Jesus ourselves. It's not just helping others. We are on a journey of getting to know Jesus ourselves. And biblically, that word know, knowledge, is not about head knowledge. Let me explain. I can tell you about Claire, my wife. She's five foot six, she's got brown hair, she's really caring and kind. So now, whether you actually know her, you know about her, uh, but that's not the same as knowing her, is it? That's knowing about her. And some of you in the room would call her a friend, and you will know her, you will have laughed with her, you will have kind of been out with her, you will have got to know her a bit, you will have chatted, but you don't know her like I know her. Some of you may even have cried with her or prayed with her and know some of the deeper stuff, but you still don't know her like I know her. And we all have people in our world where we've got people we know, kind of colleagues that we say hey to, those people that we know a little bit deeper, those friends that we've walked with for years, and those closest to us, those close friends, those close family, those partners that really we really know. And when it comes to the Bible, when it comes to getting to know Jesus, that's the kind of knowing we're talking about. Deep, intimate experience and understanding, getting to know Jesus. And so often, we forget, as we want to help others get to know him, forget the journey of discovery ourselves. As Tolstoy said, everyone thinks of changing the world, no one thinks of changing themselves. And that's simply what we want to do this year, to simply get to know Jesus more. And as we get to know him, we'll see change in our lives, and which will hopefully then ripple out beyond these walls. When I was growing up, we used to sing this song, Lord, send revival, start with me. Change is not out there, it's in here. 
which then ripples out there. And can I be honest? I mean, I've been honest for the rest of the time, but you... you You trust me, yeah. Yeah, I'll let you know when we're being honest. I think the reality is there are generations now, my generation, generations younger than me, and we are tired of big claims. We are tired of claims that revival's just around the corner if you pray in a certain way or you go to a certain conference. Or if you read this book, do this 10-step program, boom, God will work. We simply want to see, and we want to see it in our own lives, and we want to see it in the church around us, across the world, is faithfully people following Jesus through the ups and downs of life. Because we've grown up with hard sales and false promises, fake truths. We simply want to know Jesus more. That's what this year's about. Nothing dramatic, but by God's grace, real life change. And so we've got a way we're going to do it. I wonder if you'd grab this flyer that you'd have been got on your way and you've been given two things with your outlook, this little booklet and this flyer. Grab the flyer for a moment and on the back you'll see this sort of year plan, kind of nine months or so. Yeah, do grab them at the back if you haven't got one. What we're simply going to do is throughout these next nine months up until next summer, is going to be looking at some practices that Christians have used throughout history to get to know Jesus more. Some people call them spiritual disciplines. Some people know them as rules of life. Some people refer to them as patterns or practices. They're simply tried and tested ways that God has used to help people get to know him more and to produce lasting change by his spirit in our lives. And we're simply going to do it in a certain way. What we're going to do over these next couple of weeks, we're going to introduce the year, why we're doing this, what our hopes are for it. And then every three weeks, we'll be introducing a new practice. So for example, we'll introduce silence and solitude. We'll look at that for three weeks on Sundays. And then we'll move on to prayer. Look at that for three weeks and so on and so on throughout the year. And there'll be a few breaks along the way, a few breathers and stuff like that. And this isn't just for people who are followers of Jesus already. It may be that you're someone here and you're not sure whether you would call yourself a Christian, but you know you've got big questions. If you look at the bottom of this flyer, you'll see some questions which, if you like, are the kind of vein that each of those practices will be looking at. It was a joy last week. Uh, We had some friends of ours staying with us for the weekend. Uh, and I was at Bourneville on Sunday morning, and, and we brought them along to church. They're not regular churchgoers at all. And so you had that kind of weird nervousness of how are they going to like it? Is it going to be a bit, are they going to be welcomed? And all this sort of stuff. And what was fascinating for me is that their reaction was incredible. They were both deeply moved and spent the rest of the weekend talking about the sermon which Martin Woodruff had given. In other words, my initial nervousness is this is an environment that they had never been in, and yet they were profoundly moved. They were moved by songs that they didn't know, but yet words they sort of understood and realized that people in the room really believed it. They were moved by a normal guy up front, not a kind of suited and booted person, just a bloke, a decent bloke, Martin, who seemed to believe what he said and they were interested. They were moved by the way that people looked after their children and cared for them in their group. They were moved by the way people went up to them afterwards and said, hey, how are you doing? Why are you new here? 
And friends, this series is an opportunity for us. We all have people like that in our sphere that we're thinking they'll think it's a bit weird, won't they? My experience is people are deeply moved because these sort of questions, how to find silence, space, most people pray still. Most people have never even looked at the Bible, might be vaguely interested. It's an opportunity to plug other friends that we have in our spheres. And alongside this, therefore, we've got this little handbook. Do you want to grab this? Uh, This is something we've produced for you. This is for you to take home, to have, do whatever you want with. Uh, And simply, this follows. We'll produce three of these. This one takes us up to Christmas and then another one each term. And this follows the themes that we'll be looking at with questions for you to explore on your own or in your life groups or community groups to put into practice, to begin to process through the week. And then there's some ideas of what these particular things look like in your life and ideas of ways to try out things so that through this year, we will see lasting change. Because I don't know if you're like me, if it's just about coming along on Sunday morning and the odd group here or there, those six, seven hours in a month will not see the change that we really long for. But actually it's beginning to integrate patterns into our lives where we see radical, long-lasting change and really get to know Jesus. And in the passage that we read, there's some clues about the kind of change that we need. Did you see it? Let me read the first one. Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. The first change is the change we live our lives. Paul here is urging followers of Jesus to give their bodies, who they are, as living sacrifices. And they would have known in those days what a sacrifice was because they'd have been to the temple where people would have made sacrifices on their behalf. And they would of course known as the church, Jesus, the one who made that once and for all sacrifice, dying for their sin. And so when Paul says, give your bodies as living sacrifices, they will have known what that meant. That meant giving their lives for the sake of other people. Sacrificially, it's hard. And that's the kind of change we long to see in our own lives. If you're anything like me, I'm tired of thinking about me. I'm tired of making so many decisions based on what I want. I want to get to know Jesus more. I want my whole life to be poured out for him. What's been amazing for us, uh, many of you will know we, our son, accesses lots of the caring professions within the city. And what's been amazing for us is with all the physio, the speech therapy and all that sort of stuff, is how many Christians are present in those caring services. And of course, as I was reflecting on it, it shouldn't surprise me because there are followers of Jesus simply wanting to offer their bodies, their lives, as sacrifices to help other people. That's what this year is about, seeing what Jesus has done and then living in the light of that. But some of the practices this year will be more interesting and challenging for us than others. I wonder if you grab this flyer again. Let me read through them. And I wonder which of these particular practices leap out at you and give you a sort of warm and fuzzy. Yeah, I like that one. 
And which ones cause a mild terror? Silence and solitude, prayer, service, simplicity, study, celebration, fasting, worship, fellowship, confession, Sabbath, submission. If you're anything like me, celebration. Looking forward to that one. Parties, I can do them. Great. Everyone loves a good party. You know, that'd be fun. But submission? I think I might go on holiday for that one. (laughs) Confession? Oh boy. Or simplicity? That's one that leaps out for me. Life can be so complex. If you're anything like me, my life is so full of stuff. My house is so full of stuff. My diary is so full of stuff. I long for simplicity. To know what it looks like to get to know Jesus more. Him being all in all. Some of you may remember a guy called Jacques. Jacques came along to Riverside for just two or three months. uh, About a year and a half, two years ago. And he was a youngish guy who was about to become a Jesuit monk, Jesuit priest. And you basically have this kind of two-year period where you sort of need to consider you sure. (laughs) And so he really liked our worshipping environment compared to the other environment that he was going to, but felt called to that. And so he came along here and was having this kind of question, shall I, shan't I? And a couple of times I had good, long conversations about all that he was being asked to give up. And it deeply moved me about the simplicity of what he was doing. That literally everything he was willing to give up. No bank account anymore. Everything for his calling. And it struck me that within our lives, that simplicity, I'm not saying I'm going to become a Jesuit, I can't, if you know what I mean. That sort of simplicity where we're all in for Jesus, that resonates deeply with me. What is the one for you that seems most challenging right now? Can I encourage you? Maybe go there. Maybe in that, God's got a real gift for you, something that he wants to do in your heart. So life change, the way we use all of life, we hope will change this year. But there's something else. That's not the only change. Did you notice in our reading? Verse two, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Changing the way we think, not just the way we live. The truth is we are all being discipled by somebody. We are all being conformed into a likeness of something. And if the time we spend with God is just the odd hour or two on a Sunday and maybe the odd bit here and there, chances are the other hundreds of hours are being more effective in discipling us. And so these practices we're hoping this year will be a way of just laying foundations in all of our lives every day so that we see life change and mind change. The way we think, a renewal of our minds. Struck me a little while ago, we were talking about the film Mamma Mia the other day. I don't know if you've seen the new one, I I haven't, but I saw the first one. I remember going to the cinema to see it and it was all the rage, great, ABBA, fantastic, all the good, dancing queen, fantastic, dick. 
It's not my bag, but I went to see it, and I came back sort of humming Abba, all good. Feel good movie, all that. Until a friend of mine who was a Christian said, yeah, but when you've thought about the story, it's pretty sad, isn't it? And it made me realize, boy, have I been so conformed to the values of our world and our society that I've missed the gaping chasm of sadness and brokenness. And we see it all around us, don't we? And this year is an opportunity to say, God, please, change the way I think. I want to get to know you more. Change the way I think about myself. For some of us, we don't think very highly of ourselves. And this year, the gift God has for you is to help you think more highly of yourselves because at the moment you don't realize that you are a child made in God's image and he looks at you and loves you with the love of a father to a child. That regardless of what you do, regardless of what you look like, you're loved by the king of all kings. Some of you, that's the change that will happen. For others of us, we have no problems thinking highly of ourselves. <laughs> Why wouldn't people think highly of me? And maybe the gift God has for us this year as we get to know Jesus is that we might end up thinking not quite so highly of ourselves as God reveals the brokenness, the woundedness, the frailty, the sin, the pride in our own hearts. Renewing our minds. Or, or maybe the renewal of our mind be the way we think about other people so that we're not always so quick to criticize, quick to be one up on people, quick on social media to enter an argument, to have a fight but rather simply having the mind of Christ, thinking of others in the way that he thinks of them, wanting to love them, to care, to lead them towards the loving Father who cares for them. And we're doing this as a whole church. Here at Mosley, over at Bourneville, word of hands, the children's groups are going to be doing similar themes as well. All our groups, we're hoping, will look at these so that as one body of people in this city who long to make a difference, that actually we might be transformed by Jesus. And here's the question as we come to a close. How? How is this going to happen? Yes, we, we try and live it out, but what, 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 what will cause this to happen? And let me go again to the opening words that we read. Did you notice it? Did you glimpse it? Paul says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Don't be conformed, but be renewed your mind. In view of God's mercy, that is where we go to. Because he spent the last 11 chapters in Romans talking about God's mercy. That how all of us, however well-educated, whatever our background, all of us stand before God as broken, flawed sinners. And yet God in his amazing grace has given his own son so that we might, through his death and resurrection, be right before God. That's good news. That's mercy. And Paul says, live there. And as a result, change will come. That's where we're going to. Simply getting to know Jesus more. Because if you're anything like me, I tend to focus on what I can do for Jesus rather than what he has done for me. And this quote summarizes in many respects the whole series. It's not our job to be amazing for Jesus. It's our job to be amazed by Jesus. And our hope and prayer this year 
as we get to know him more, is that we will simply be overwhelmed with wonder at how much he's done. And that by God's spirit, he will transform us to make us more like Jesus. And so it's no longer about us at all. And it's no longer about the big claims of changing the planet. It's simply saying, God, you've called me. I want to follow you and be like Jesus in the place you've called me to. This is good news, friends. We tend to think of discipline as being hard, beat me up. As we get more and more aware of God's great love for us, change will come. Which is why John the Baptist famously prayed, or famously said this word, which is kind of a key theme. He must become greater, I must become less. So that at the end of this year, we might all be able to say, friends, what a journey we've been on. Wow. Isn't he great? That's what this year's about. So friends, here's the question. Are you up for it? Because if you're anything like me, I'm a bit tired of playing. I'm a bit tired of kind of part-time following Jesus. I'm a bit tired of my mind and the way I think so much sometimes. I'm a bit tired of the stuff in my life that I know doesn't please God. I want to be all in. I really, really get to know Jesus and go wherever he wants me to go. Follow wherever he calls. Don't you? May, by God's grace, this year he transform us.